0: welcome
1: to the renegade yogi podcast experience join myself zorananda and this episode's guest as we explore yoga in the modern world prepare yourself as we will experience yoga like never before So welcome everybody to the Renegade Yogi podcast experience. My name is Zora Nanda and I have a wonderful guest with me today. She's a good friend of mine from here in Edmonton. We've been practicing yoga together for years and her life is really inspiring to me and that's really why I wanted to have this conversation with her. She's an acupuncturist and uh, Chinese medicine practitioner, a fantastic yoga teacher. So welcome, Sarah Zanbeek. Thank you. (laughs) So, yeah, this whole process has been really great for me and kind of weird too, because you know, these conversations we just have normally, right? And... Um, it's just being around these cameras and thinking of it so formally is, uh, just gets me nervous, right? (laughs) So, um, yeah, I just, uh, I just think it's really cool to have this opportunity to invite my friends over and, you know, especially people I haven't seen for so long, like it's been, you know, we'll, we'll engage on social media and stuff, but it's just such a cool opportunity to be able to invite you over and talk about something we're just so passionate about. And, um, I guess what I want to jump into is however long this may take, doesn't matter. Um, what is your story of how you got into yoga? Um, and you know how it's led up to where you are now. I know that's, A lot to unpack, but um, it's a good starting (laughs) point, I think.
2: It's like there's a lot to unpack, and then it's also somehow so so simple. But I think my story is not as wild and like crazy as most people's. Mm -hmm. But so I was really hardcore growing up. Actually, I in high school, like I finished all my courses by like grade eleven, and then I. With my principal, I was like, I don't want to be here. But in high school, you have to be there for like one course or something. And so I hooked it up where I would go to work and somehow I linked work with school so that I could get credits for going to work.
0: Whoa, <laughs> and, nice.
2: And not have to be in high school, yeah. essentially, because I, I didn't love high school so much. It felt like such a strange. Moment in time. Yeah, I get that for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I
1: found any reason to like do the same thing. Like, oh, I only need a hundred credits to graduate and there's all these classes I don't need to take. Like,
0: yeah.
2: Yeah. So yeah, I like organized that where I just didn't have to do it. And so I'd go to work and, and then when I graduated, I was like, no idea what I want to do. So then I just continued to work two different jobs and I ended up saving up a lot of money in that time. And then after a year, I was like, okay, well, time off is not helping me figure out what I want to do, so I'll just mm-hmm. go to university, and I signed up for sciences, and I'm really hardcore with studying, and, like, I love learning stuff, like, more than anything. Mm-hmm. So I would be, like, in the library studying my sciences, like, all night long, and... Wow. ...until <laughs> the security guard's like, you guys gotta go, and I'd be like, oh, okay, fine. Like, put my books away, and, and by the end of it, I was so exhausted, because university is... Exhausting, mm-hmm. and so I. There was this little booth, um, which is my friend's company now, which is really funny. But they're called Free and Easy, and they're a travel company. And so I saw this guy, Rob, actually sitting there, and I was like, "What? What is this?" And they're like, "Oh, we do forty trips through Thailand." And I was like, "Oh, that's super cool! Like, I'm gonna come. <laughs> I'm gonna go traveling, and I've never yeah. been anywhere. Like, I think I went to Disneyland with my family, and so I ended up going to." signing up for this trip by myself and I went to Thailand by myself and with random people that I met there. And, and I'd always had that feeling that something was missing in my life, but I didn't know what it was. Like, Mm -hmm. I was like, I'm doing all the things. Like I was the honor student. I was grad president. Like I played rugby. I played volleyball. I played soccer. I danced. Like I did all these things. And there was always like somewhere in the pit of me. And I was like, I don't know, something is not not there, and mm-hmm. when I got to Thailand, I think like the Buddhist culture, and um, it was just a couple of years after the tsunami had hit, and like there was still destruction everywhere. And yet, the Thai people it's called Land of Smiles, and they're always smiling like they're mm-hmm. so sweet and so generous. And I was just really moved by it. And in it, that, like, part of me that was like something is missing was just fulfilled there, like, oh, I was pursuing, like, I was on the pursuit of I don't know what. Yeah. I was on the societal pursuit in life and I was like, I'm succeeding in this societal pursuit. But the pursuit, we'll call it the pursuit of happiness or the pursuit of like actual joy of like enjoying each moment was completely empty. Mm -hmm. And I had no idea. Like I had no idea that that was even a a little, a little like well that needed to be filled inside of me was just like joy. Like what are you doing for joy? Like I was actually doing nothing for joy. Like everything was just to exert myself, you know? Yeah. And so somehow in Thailand, it was like, it, it took me a while too. And it's really sweet because I met this, this man who <laughs> lived up on this, like you had to climb up a post and he had a little boat up top of this post so that the tsunami could never get it again. Yeah. You know? And Whoa. all he had was a Thai bed. A pair of twenty-five-year-old vintage Levi jeans and a Bob Marley poster, <laughs> and I remember we sat there um, one night, him and a couple of my friends, and we just talked about these really fascinating things. And I was like, "Wow, I've never had talks like this before." Mm. And then there was a part of me that was like, "You know what? We need to somehow like get people to know you and like get you more. Like, you know, like you need to be doing more." And he just kind of laughed at me at the time, and then. 3 months later I went back and I visited him and I was like you have it all figured out and he was like now you know I don't need anything more than this like this yeah. is it and I remember being so moved by that and so when I came home I just I dropped out of university cuz I'm like I'm not finding what I want there like at all and I ended up going to a festival with my friends that I had met in Thailand And my dad thought I was losing my mind. Like my dad thought I was like all of a sudden like on drugs and hanging out with hippies. And yeah, there's just like (laughs) a huge
1: shift from like honor student getting all of her shit together, going to university, (laughs) and then suddenly like traveling the world,
0: right?
2: Yeah, like my dad really thought I was doing drugs, and I I wasn't. I actually wasn't at all. Yeah. And um, and I was just like, yeah, I'm I'm going again because I ended up staying in Thailand way longer than I was supposed to, and. And I came home and was like I was roofing with my father at that time, and so I didn't have like a, a real job that I had to go to. I could just be like, Dad, I'm not coming in for a week. I'm gonna go to this thing.
0: Yeah.
2: And then I went to the festival and had so much fun, and my girlfriend was moving to Vancouver who I got really close with in Thailand, and she was like, Why don't you just come and hang out? And I was like, I've never been there before. <laughs> like, I've never been to Vancouver before. Like, yeah, I guess I'll just come hang out. Like, I'll just tell my dad I'm not coming back. I remember my dad called you are going to university like you need to get home and like get ready and I was like actually dad like i dropped out i like, am not going back <laughs> and i'm not coming home right now either like i'm going to vancouver and i'm not sure how long i'm going to be there for and he i remember he was just like freaking out and i just hung up the phone and was like no like i'm so clear right now in myself and like what i'm doing somehow like And I've been a daddy's girl, so this was like a huge moment for the two of us. Where I'm like, I'm actually not doing what you say anymore. Yeah. Without even knowing that that's what I was doing in that moment, but it was just like so clear that I like needed to create that separation and start choosing for myself. And so I went to Vancouver, and I remember I was walking down the street, and it was sunny out. And and now I would call it. I probably had like a, a. I was really like clear and had a drop in on like where I needed to go. But in the moment, I was like wow, I feel really independent. (laughs) I need to be here. I need to feel this independence. And so I went to my girlfriend and we were sitting on the balcony of this place where she needed to find a roommate for. And I was like, I love it here. I love it here so much. And she was like, why don't you move here? I'm like, my dad already thinks I'm like doing some crazy drugs. Like, What would he think if I just moved? I think I was 20 or something at the time. And she was like, well, we need a roommate, and it'd be really awesome if you came. And I was like, well, what do I do here? Like, what would I tell my dad I'm moving here for? Because in my dad's mind, like, I would need a purpose and a reason to move somewhere. Otherwise, I'm just wasting my time, you know?
1: Yeah, totally.
2: <laughs> and so you, like, have to satisfy that bit of them somehow in order to let them come to you a bit.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And so she's like, well, what's one thing you've always wanted to do? And, I'll, and I honestly never thought about that. Like, I'd never thought, I've never been the kid that's like, when I grow up, I was like, the only thing I ever wanted to be was a housewife <laughs> like, when I grew up. And Lord help me now if that's what I had to do. But, <laughs> but um, the only thing I could think of was this one moment in Bree Johnson's yoga class, actually, which is super funny. Yeah. My buddies that I went to high school with were doing yoga. My guy friends of all people, which is really kind of funny in that time. Yeah. But they were really into this cute yoga teacher. So they took me to her class and she was super cute. And I remember she was doing a headstand demo and she had her head on the ground and was like flailing her legs up in the air. And she was like, this is not what we're trying to do here. This is not what we're trying to do here. We're trying to do these things. And I just thought it was so cute and so brilliant. And I remember thinking like, i would be really happy if i did something like this but then my brain was like but this isn't a real job like there's no way i could do that and then six years later here i am and that's the only moment i could think of where i actually thought like i would really love to do this
0: Mm -hmm.
2: and so mel we'd met do you know sarah jade
1: uh i think so yeah
2: yeah Sj. We met. I met Sarah Jade in Thailand, and she was a yoga teacher already at that time in Vancouver. And she, we called her up, and she was like, "Yeah, you can do these trainings." And one of them was like 800 meters from the apartment that my girlfriend was living, and I was like,
1: "Oh my god, yeah, that's perfect."
2: (laughs) So I signed up for it, and then it started two weeks later, and so. I went home and told my parents I was moving and we packed up my car and I moved to Vancouver and did my first yoga training. And I'm sure if my teachers that I had in that moment (laughs) knew what I was doing now, they'd be like, oh my God, is that even safe?
1: Yeah. (laughs) What year was that? Do you remember? 2008.
0: 2008.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that's the magic (laughs) of it, right? Um, Where, um, and I even had that with my dad with university where ever since I was young, he always put in that seed inside of me of like, you need to go to university, you need to get an education. It was like a mantra, right? And just like every other week, here I am hearing it. And so I think when... Yoga is just embedded in your life because this is probably something a seed that was planted when you were really young. You just don't even know it, right? Say if you're just oh, it's playing or...
2: before I even came, to yeah, Canada.
1: right, exactly. And so, um, yeah, it just seems like that transition is actually the smoothest way to <sighs> to do it, right? Even though it it's seems so like obvious. such an up uphe- like an upheaval, right? You're like, oh my god, I'm like letting my parents down. I'm like, I'm like moving across the country, but then. Like, as I'm sure you'll tell here, that um, it's just such a fantastic journey, right?
2: Oh, my gosh. I mean, it's fantastic, and yoga is also, like, so hard (laughs) 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 to really bump up against the uglies in
1: yourself,
0: and that
2: can be really confronting. Yeah. But, yeah, it's... it's fascinating because it's exactly that like I was very much daddy's little girl and like followed what they were teaching me and totally it was a mantra so the frequency of my whole operating system was like be successful be successful like go Mm -hmm. be successful and now I can look back at that and be like wow I'm really glad that I've had that like be successful frequency like pushing me along the way because it's allowed me to take something like yoga that's pretty difficult I think to be super financially successful in I would say and I think that like the way that the push of my brain to like be Mm -hmm. hungry for things and to be able to organize things in a way that um, helps me move forward and helps people trust trust me in like giving me big pieces of work to take care of and yeah and so I think that that part now it's like coming back around really strong actually of being way more organized way more efficient way more like just as clear in my direction and like leaning into um I would say leaning into like the deep deep truth of myself which I think I I went really deep into and then was kind of like I have no structure and organization happening whatsoever and I don't think that was so healthy to like dwell in like the depth while you're trying to live in society like i mm-hmm. don't actually i think a lot of people get stuck there and it's not actually the healthiest place to be yeah it's like i'm dwelling in it and yet i have to pay my bills and do all these things and then there's like this anxiety that i think comes or depression for people that it's like they they don't go together like you really and what i'm trying to marry now is this like east west sort of perspectives where we're not living in caves and we're not renouncing our lives to go connect to spirituality. Mm -hmm. But instead, like we really have to learn how to marry the two sides together. If we want to feel free, like truly free while being in a society.
1: Yeah. I think there's just a natural confusion when you like bring yoga into your life. Right. Because You're learning all this really old, traditional, ascetic lifestyle, right? And then you're here in the West where there's a societal demand for the complete opposite, right? There's no time or room to step away from your obligations to have any downtime or you know, anything that has to do with self, um, introspection. And if it is, it's like anxiety ridden and it's like stressful because what you're introspecting about are all the things that, um, are making your obligations and your responsibilities hard to deal with. Right. (laughs)
2: It's like a catch 22.
1: Yeah. And that's, that's where I think what dispels the confusion is that, and I always say this, that yoga is the addition to your life, that it's not actually meant to take you away and remove you from what karmically or dharmically you're, you're going to be doing in your life in the city. Right. And so say at the, when you did your teacher training, um, because obviously you came back to Edmonton at some point. Um, How did you feel that um, yoga was now this like new addition in your life and that it started to shape um, like your relationship with your parents with your friends with the city? Um, You know, how did that look like?
0: Well,
2: I I think I would differentiate it even a little bit different instead of it's Being like an additional like buddy, I would say yoga became like the under groove of everything. Mm. And so my operating systems were now operating from this well instead of from my mental societal programming or my parental programming. It became like like the Dharma, I would say, is like this underneath that's saying like this way, (laughs) go Mm -hmm. this way. And the karma is, of course, then. worldly stuff that we're trying to um or those or or those patterns that we're trying to kind of um figure out why they're there and then dissolving them and so I think how how it all started to shift is that instead of me feeling like I needed to become something or find a nine-to-five job I gave myself a lot of the freedom to just like follow those urges that like and not even an urge because urge can then be pleasure and cause a lot of suffering but like the urge of like my soul to go on this journey and so i finished my training in vancouver and then i stayed there not working for a little bit longer and the perk is when i was in high school i was so hardcore so i had a bank account that was filled because even in high school i had two jobs and then after high school i had two jobs and i was just like working so much. I think I graduated with like thirty k in my bank, which makes no sense. Yeah, but as like th- an
1: eighteen year old, you're just like, "Holy shit, I'm rich!"
2: <laughs> yeah, and not even knowing. That, you
0: know? Yeah, I, I don't know. I just
2: work, and then yeah, I don't, what am I going to pay for? My dad pays for the house. And yeah, my mom gets the food, and yeah, and so it was just like money in the bank, and and I'm partially Dutch, so it's like this this cheap factor. Where you don't <laughs> spend unless you need to. Yeah, and so. I just had all this money which afforded me the luxury of like going traveling and finding that and then moving to Vancouver which is so expensive my bank account was like yeah
0: um,
2: but I could afford to do this teacher training that I was called to do and then I could afford to stay in Vancouver a little bit longer and not really work that much and like mm-hmm. kind of absorb in the whole process of like wow I'm not living the way I used to anymore and like what does that it feels really good and then when I was in Vancouver I decided that I wanted to go traveling again to South America but I was like really my bank account was like empty now so I couldn't make that happen and so I was like okay I have to move home and so I moved home and I worked two jobs to make enough money to go for this six-month adventure
0: yeah
2: um, but in that I started teaching yoga And no one was really teaching yoga then. And so it was super easy. I think I walked into Lion's Breath and Dawn like watched my practice for a moment and was like, okay, can you teach a class Saturday? And the next thing it was like Saturday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday. And I just started teaching full on. And then I left to South America for six months. And it was when I was there, like still following this sort of path I just got the next drop in, which was like, if you really want to be a yoga teacher, like you're going to need a university education so that you have more, more substantial wealth and knowledge to offer outside inside of this yoga, because Mm -hmm. people are coming to yoga from this societal mental framework. And so if you, if you want to be able to bring the depth, you have to also like build it so people can come to you. I found like, over the last 13 years of teaching, it's like having the bridge and making it really accessible and really reminding people it's not far from what they're already experiencing. Mm -hmm. Because I think when we go full absorption, it's too far for people to be able to see themselves being able to get there. And so I think like... I mean, if I'm looking back now on where that came from, it was probably just, like, this deep knowing that, like, it has to be, like, I have to look like a normal person that has some wisdom that you can have, too. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: It's not so far away, or I have to speak in a way that's not so far from where people are, and so I just got the drop in that I'm like I need to go to university and it's gonna be acupuncture and I'd never gotten acupuncture before I honestly didn't even know it was Chinese medicine I don't know where it came from like this idea I was in South America so it's not like I was in Asia and seeing acupuncture and being like yeah this is what I'm gonna do but somehow it just was like yeah you're gonna go to school for acupuncture and I was like okay and I went back to my hostel and I signed up for the program in September which is so funny to think about that now. I'm like, wow, that was really impulsive. Like I don't find myself an impulsive person, but maybe I am. And I signed up for it and I started the program in September and found out that acupuncture is Chinese medicine. And I'm like, this is amazing information. (laughs) I had no idea that this is what I signed up for.
1: Yeah. And I think that's the special thing about yoga is that, um, there's these pieces that are added into your life right that only makes sense to you and so as like an outside observer right if they were to watch you go from like being this high school student that has this honors to like suddenly um, almost irrationally just (laughs) not going to university anymore moving to Vancouver all of a sudden doing a yoga teacher training going to South America and and coming back but because you are part of the vehicle that's going through all of that, it's such a smooth transition from one to the other that it just totally makes sense. Yeah. And, you know, it was similar for me in, um, you know, suddenly going to Thailand for two months and then immediately going into yoga teacher training and then... Um, like four years later, going back to Thailand, doing another yoga teacher training that like, it seems so frivolous, but this is why I've been really thinking about what does it actually mean to be a yogi? So like, not like a yoga teacher, right? What does it actually mean to have that as like a, not just a title, but it's lifestyle. Yeah. It's a lifestyle. Um, and so, yeah, to me, it makes sense, you know, like you're opened yourself up to this communication, right? To the sensitivity of guidance where only you will understand that voice, right? Because it's coming from within you and it, you opened up to it that moment that you decided to go to Vancouver, right? And then that's where the totality of that kind of yoga consciousness is like okay we have you and don't worry things are gonna work out great um so what's
2: gonna be many times along the way where you're like what is happening
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah exactly um yeah because i just i just remember um you know all the time spent at nourish and you know i don't even know how many of your classes i went to you know and um because i like i really remember when you started the chinese acupuncture and um you know seeing that whole process and seeing how it started to shape your yoga practice as well and how you're incorporating um understanding the meridians and conjunction with what was already existed in yoga with um the nadis and energy centers and stuff so say at that at that point um do you feel like all that work you did with university and all the depth that you're going into your yoga practice is what actually helped you like propel into the next level of your teaching because you went from like, you know, teaching classes to then all of a sudden like teacher trainings and like big workshops and then suddenly like traveling to India and other places of the world to do yoga teacher trainings, right? It's like it really seemed like a really big like level up.
2: Yeah. Well, and I mean, I I think for me the way my brain works like I need formal study like I'm not I'm not the person that can just like I have so many books and I love having books and I love picking them up and reading little bits but I'm not the person who can go and like do my own research online and like learn about stuff or like read Mm. books like I need formal teaching whether it's sitting in a workshop and someone's really teaching about something or like going to university like my brain somehow needs that like a little bit of pressure to, to learn. And so for me, that's really helpful. I know a lot of other people that don't operate that way at all. And like university is awful for them. So for me, it was really helpful to be formal and um, in the pressure tube of, of like, you have to study Sarah. Because mm-hmm. for me, if I'm like, if I don't ha- have to get something done, like then I'm resting. And that's something that I've like really learned about myself through the yoga journey is like, I love to rest. And I love to do and so I need to find that, that balance of getting both. But yeah, it was like somehow Chinese medicine is like so much in school was about observing people's bodies. Like for a whole year in the clinical setting, we were not allowed to talk to the, per, the client. The third years were talking to the clients and we just had to stand there and write down everything that we saw. From their face to what they were wearing to how they were sitting to anything extra that we perhaps saw like the way that they would speak was it different when they talked about certain things like did their faces change when they were saying one thing and not another thing like based on like how much of this is truth versus how much is their like opinion of what's happening and we just had to sit and write all this stuff down and then you never knew when it was going to happen but the teacher would be like so what color shoes were they wearing Like what? (laughs) Yeah, what does this have to do with Chinese (laughs) medicine? But it's like your observation skills. Yeah, exactly. How long do you need to like, like read somebody immediately and like, okay, this is what I see, and then here's, and then the rest is then how, what would you do to help support what you saw? And so then you're going to teach a yoga class, and you're like looking at people all of a sudden in like a way broader and more in depth way yeah so that
1: translates like immediately oh my gosh yeah
2: yeah and it was funny because i remember standing there writing all this stuff down and being like oh my god if these people would just go and do yoga none of this would be a problem
0: Mm -hmm. and
2: i remember being like why am i doing this why am i doing this like i this is so crazy that we're doing this and and I just wish I could just be like, go to a headstand or go, like, these poses would be so good for you. Like, mm-hmm. And I remember just, like, feeling that anxiousness. And my sister, I wrote my sister and was like, I hate this. Like, I'm just listening to people's problems. And all I can think about is if they just did some <laughs> yoga, they would be so much, like, better off. And I, my sister's like, just keep going. Just keep going. Like, there's something there. And so I, of course, did the whole program, but... So much of it was just about like watching people and observing and then seeing patterns in people's bodies and what was happening and and then dealing with so many different patients, seeing things that are similar between everybody and how those similarities actually kind of change a little bit season to season as nature changes and and year to year and age groups and stuff and being like, wow, this is like really fascinating moment in time to like observe these pretty foundational ways that people are operating and how it's affecting their bodies and Mm -hmm. and in, in Ayurveda and also in Chinese medicine we talk about the constitutions and some people are here and some people are here and you can see that like these people are affected a lot during this season and these people are affected a lot in this season and these are the sort of things you see that are common between everybody and then for me I really don't um, resonate in my life with the idea of, and I think I did for a bit while I was going through school. I got this and I did my Reiki course while I was going through school. I got this, like I can heal people sort of feeling, you know? And I think a lot of people have to go through that because you realize, but that's how you take on everybody's shit. Yeah. (laughs) Like, Oh, there's darkness in my body now from helping this person. You're like, well what were you doing doing that like
0: you yeah
2: know? so I think I just I mean I got myself in some like energetic mess doing that and being like oh I can just like move this and manipulate this and I can you know like I have the ability to tune in and like feel it and see it and like move it but realizing like that's not my job that's not yeah. my work and and that's actually why I don't practice acupuncture right now with needles is because I don't want to do the work and I think it can be really helpful for trauma and giving people the like a lighthouse tower of like this is how you can feel
0: mm-hmm. but
2: ultimately like even in clinic you see so much people then just want to come to you to fix them so they get that feeling for a week and then they'll come back so they can continue this without changing anything in their lives and and I somehow like I don't know I respect people that are healers and that do that work because I think it's also important. I think it's really important. Um, but for me, I just feel like I would rather, through this information and through this um, a way of being able to see people's bodies and through the body of yoga, like I would way rather sit in a position of teaching people about themselves and about Chinese medicine and about this information so that hopefully something is ignited in them where they then feel inspired to make changes that are going to work for their specific constitution Mm -hmm. and that doesn't mean like everyone now needs to drink green smoothies and and wear white and do these these things or talk sweetly and calmly but instead it's like what works for you like what really not only makes you feel healthy but also brings you joy Mm -hmm. because i tried all the stuff like tried wearing particular clothes and I tried eating particular way and I tried being a vegetarian and and after I think like three years I was like I don't think I'm happy like yeah I actually don't think I'm happy right now
1: yeah that (laughs) happened to me similarly as well and it really opened my eyes when I um, had like a few injuries um, that were like compounding right so it was like first Um, a tear in, um, my hamstring from showing off, you know, and (laughs) coming back from Thailand after two months of yoga every day, being like, I'm the most flexible I've ever been in my life. Check this out. And all of a sudden like pop. Right. And then it's
2: it's like, actually check this out. Yeah,
1: exactly. Right. Watch me injure myself like severely. And,
2: and that's the yoga itself. Yeah.
1: And then like, you know, five years later, still dealing with it and then having like shoulder issues. And then over the last two years of having a lower back issue, which, um, I had corrected through chiropractor through a chiropractor. Um, which is amazing. Cause now I don't have like any back issues. It's so great. Um, but yeah, it was the same thing. I just, it caused me to slow down and it caused me to reexamine my relationship with yoga and like, why i'm a yogi and what that means and it just became so clear that i was like okay this whole path is for the rest of my life right and And, i'm
2: approaching it in a way that it is will be sustainable
1: yeah and so knowing that um and now spending the time just really focusing on healing that. Like you, like you, you're right. It's not anyone else's responsibility. I can't go to Vishwaji, my teacher and be like, Hey Vishwaji, I have these issues. Can you help me heal it? He's going to be like, no, (laughs) you know, (laughs) (laughs) and, and so I just, I have to accept that. And I wholeheartedly did. And what it led to were these like new experiences of body work and training and then seeing how important strength is and then understanding the dynamic between strength and flexibility and then slowly getting back to my practice and, and so
2: those two things need to marry each other it's not oh one yeah or the other it's like you need both to be healthy
1: yeah because i i've been spending a lot of time just like looking back when maybe between like 25 and 30 i would say like those five years were like my predominant yoga years And how strenuous I was on myself, you know? And like, sure, I had really great flexibility, but then when I'd actually look at what I was doing, I was like, I was really forcing myself into things and look at the state of my body now, right? So I was like, what? how can I do it differently? So now when I'm like in a wide legged forward fold, I'm not trying to force my chest onto the ground. I'm just doing key activating um, things and just staying there and being like, okay, I'm like maybe 30 degrees from the floor right now. And this is great because I'm not feeling any pain in my left hip. I'm not feeling pain in my shoulders. I'm just like active and I can breathe. And this is great, right?
2: Right. And you can breathe. Yeah that's yeah I mean that's where my practice has moved too. is I think I'm naturally really flexible and I needed to more work towards strength and not just dumping into everything and now when I notice because now I have two kids so yoga is very different for me now um, and so when I do get to practice which I always laugh when I when I read. Laugh and like I'm slightly like triggered by it for sure. <laughs> I'm like, just practice yoga every day. I'm like, oh, fuck you guys. Yeah, you know. <laughs> like, like you have two kids. Like I don't know how people practice when they have two kids. Um, but so when I get to practice, my practice is just so different because it's based on like, okay, what is the worst thing happening in my body right now? And like how do I bring that into alignment where it will just let go instead of me trying to like – put these particular stretches in from my brain that I know will help that part of my body. Yeah.
1: I have this sequence that I'm going to do and it's going to go from this to this, to this, to this, to this, to this, Yeah, Yeah.
2: Which I think is a part of it. Like we have to learn, first we have to learn to do the poses in a way that is great for the body or that we can breathe in them. Like warrior two itself. Yeah. To learn how to do that pose. Yeah. And that takes years to learn how to do the asana by themselves yeah. And then we have to learn how to put them together in ways that make sense. So call it sequencing put them in positions that make sense where you're either just doing a general, nice, beautiful balancing sequence that will make you feel centered after, or if you need to work into something particular, then you learn how to, how these poses go together. And then you have to learn how to drop all of that mental information Mm-hmm. That was super helpful to learn. Like I don't think you can get from A to B without going through A to B. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know?
1: It's like I'm at A and I'm seeing B. I'm just gonna go to B, you know? And, and it's B's just like, like what the heck? Yeah, <laughs> you know? don't belong here yet. <laughs> yeah, but there's like A one and A two and A three and A four and A five, you know? Yeah, I'm just totally. like oh
2: yeah, and now I feel like the other day I was practicing and I was like, Oh, that makes so much sense when When the deepest yearning in your body is to just be in alignment and not physical alignment, but like in alignment with like the ultimate yoga or with your Dharma, Mm -hmm. then your body will want to like, there'll be like a deep yearning for your body to just like put itself in the safest place and the strongest place and the most centered place that it possibly would. Yeah. But you have to, you don't have to, but like, it's not going to do that unless you're setting yourself up for wanting that. Yeah. And then it just happens. Like, I watch how, like, how strong I am while moving in a fluid way when that's what I, I want. I'm like, okay, I got 15 minutes. Like, all I want is to be deeply with myself right now. Mm -hmm. And then all that happens is my body goes and is deeply with itself. And somehow there's these beautiful, strong alignments that make no sense. But the next day, like I feel powered. Whereas if I was coming from my brain, I'm like, all right, I got an hour. I'm going to go, go get an alignment. Like I would be doing strong lunges and these different arm movements and like all this stuff. But yeah, yeah, both are super necessary, but it's fascinating to now be able to see this part of me that, that I understand what the yogis were talking about, where some of them are like, alignment doesn't matter. It'll just happen.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And I was always like, that sounds dangerous. <laughs> now I'm like, oh.
0: Yeah. Well,
1: also, um, we, because um, we're both in the same boat where we, we're not teaching a studio anymore, right? And so we don't have 20 to 30 people that we not only need to teach properly but subtly we need to impress and it and so we have to show up and do the practice in a particular way um, and this is how I felt like even just a few years ago what like the kind of standard was as a teacher and especially now like coming out of a pandemic where all the studios were closed and we're with ourselves and we're like holy shit, now what, right? And I was faced with this, like, kind of existential crisis of, well, am I ever going to teach yoga again? Am I ever going to do yoga again? And it came down to, yes, and how is that going to look like? And what I needed to be honest with myself with was I don't think I'm – I don't know if I'm ever gonna go back to that setting. Maybe I will, but what do I want out of this? And what just wasn't realistic was like you said, like the daily everyday hour yoga practice. Cause it's like sometimes, you know, I will just wake up at 4 a.m. randomly and I'm like, okay, oh, yeah, I'm gonna go to yoga. And I get like an hour practice. And then there's other days where I'm like, okay, I'm going to set my alarm. I'm going to wake up at 6. I'm going to like do a yoga practice. My alarm goes off. I press snooze. I wake up at 7.45 and I'm like, oh, shit, I got to go to work, right? And, and that's okay because – Yoga will never be lost on me, as I'm sure that that's for you, right? Especially when you have like yoga tattoos. It's like how can you not just look at it and be like, oh yeah? <laughs> you know, like I have Shiva, like just giant Shiva on my fucking arm. Come on, Zora. Yeah, come on. Yeah. And uh and so I just go to my I just think to myself, okay. I know it's still a large part of my life. I think about it pretty much daily. You know, I'm thinking about, I have a yoga podcast now. So I'm like, I'm thinking about talking to people about it and I go, okay, I want just a small group of people independent from everything that I can just teach to in whatever way. If it, if it just means I make a video and I just send it to them and I'm like, have fun, you know, like, or you know, like with my friend Marin she's my violin teacher, and she lives in uh, in Ottawa. And we do um, trades, so like I teach her over Zoom, she teaches me violin. Awesome. And then I have um, like a really good childhood friends um, that I just like mm-hmm. teach a little bit of yoga and meditation to, you know. So I, I've just like realized. What it comes down to now for me is um, like really coming down to the tradition of like the Upanishads. Like that has been a huge thing for me over the last like several months of like really understanding it. And the crazy thing, Sarah, when we moved into this house, okay, like even before we moved in, when we were doing the walk around, over the back door is a plaque, like this stone plaque of the Upanishads. It's literally, like, this Indian, like, teacher with, like, students all around him. And I was just looking at that. I was like, no way.
0: Like, we'll take it.
1: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I just looked at Alicia immediately. I was like, do you see that? I was like, oh, my God, this is it. Right?
2: And your, I have a question. Does your urge of wanting to teach come from your mind? Or does it come from your body, like, you feel like you need to teach?
0: Yeah,
1: it comes from my body. It's definitely been something, just a part of my life where... Um, you know, I was thinking about this just like a few days ago where <clears throat> do you remember MSN Messenger? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I do. So, um Oh yeah, right? There was this moment in like later junior high, high school where I would just have like kids, like friends just ask me for advice all the time for whatever reason. And it was confusing to me because like I would immediately have just like an answer for them and it would just like help them. And then I was just like, what is happening? You know, I'm like 15, 16 years old. And my sister, Daniella, really helped foster that with me because then she would tell me so many great things of like how helpful I just I am. Right. And so... That's what really translated and transferred into yoga, right? Because I just had a knack for explaining things. I had a knack for putting things together. So, and yeah, I just, I, I just have this like innate passion to help people, right? Um, so where the brain stuff is, is like making money on it, you know? Like that's what always messed with me was like why you know why am I trying to charge so much money for this stuff you know and and it makes sense to a, to a degree like especially when you have a studio you're operating a business you have overhead you have costs you have rent you have utilities you have instructors That's you so need to pay things. yeah and so like it totally makes sense right but then when it came to like independently, it was just a weird thing. Like I had no problem going to a studio and being like, yep, I'm it's 50 bucks a class, you know, and I, I teach the class and I spend a month teaching and I get paid this much. And like, fine, because I have to travel there, you know, all the logistics. Yeah. So, and what's really changed is like now that like head money thing is like gone. Right. Because I, I have a career. I, you know, I'm, fine doing what i'm doing and i'm like oh i don't need to come from that place anymore and i can return back to like inner intuitive gut like wanting to share um what i'm passionate about and if that translates to opportunities yes yeah like that's the bonus right like i don't have to be so rigid and be like no, I can't let this translate to someone coming to me like, hey, do you want to come to this festival and um, and teach like a yoga class, teach yoga for these days and workshop and like, yeah, we'll like pay you this much. Right. Um, but I think in like the basic of wanting the goodness to reach to people, it's like I just want to give that out. You know, and especially with the friends that I'm teaching now, it's like, I, I have no interest in being like, oh, by the way, you know, if you want to do these lessons with me, it's going to cost you like 200 bucks, three, 400 bucks. I'm like, Psh, no way, man. Yeah. yeah.
2: Well, it has to be in the Dharma, right? Like, that's what I see so much. And I always want to ask, like, is it in the Dharma to do it that way? Mm-hmm. Or do you just think you have to do it that way? Yeah. Because you don't have to do it that way. And if it, I think if it's. Like, for example, when I graduated from acupuncture school, it was like, yoga, it was just like, come on, it was like pulling me. And I'm like, oh, to the point where I paid like probably $60,000 for my diploma mm-hmm. in acupuncture. And I've not made a cent on it. Yeah. Because it doesn't, like, I'm like, I get it. I should take that information, go work at a clinic, put needles in people make money do the thing nine to five it's set up but it never felt natural like it never felt like i need to do that whereas yoga it's like it's been pulling me in a way that like it's almost effortless like it's been effortlessly pulling me along the way and and so i'm like i'm very clear that not by my own choice but by the like grand choice of things is like this is really what i'm supposed to be doing is teaching in this way and just following what the information is that I'm being told to learn to continue to support this process. And I think for some people, it's like, I think it's so important that people who are working normal jobs are living a yogic lifestyle. Because if we were all just in the yoga studio, we wouldn't be getting very far. Yeah, You know, like I think some of us need to be in the yoga studios working so that the people that are like, Zoran was teaching me this stuff and I was just, I'm just a violin teacher Yeah, so teaching me the stuff. I'm really interested. Like that person needs somewhere to go and learn. Yeah. But if you are not teaching it to humans that aren't going to a yoga studio, then the message doesn't spread, you know, like we need people who are working construction sites to be practicing yoga. We need people who are working in the school system to be practicing yoga and like feel like they're living a, a spiritual yogic life that doesn't have to be in the yoga studio or it doesn't yeah. have to look in this like particular format or even earn money off of it. But it's like, I mean, I look at that with my kids now, um, and yoga has never been more pertinent than it is now to like mm-hmm. really practice every single day and every moment. Because if I don't, i I'm, I'm like, thrashing on them or something, you know, or I'm like pressuring them to be certain ways. I don't do that at all, but yeah, it would be, you know, if yeah. I didn't have, they seem pretty practice. wild in the best
1: way possible. <laughs> oh God, they're
2: crazy. <laughs> yeah. They're really free. And I, and I love that. And and I watched the, the moments sometimes where I'm like, Oh, I just want to be in control of the situation so I can just go be by myself and do something. But it's like the more I can practice yoga. I'm like, that's not what this moment in my life is about. It's not mm-hmm. about, Going and meditating every single morning before I wake up, or it's not about getting my 30 minute pranayama practice in before I start the day. Like, if I'm trying to force that to happen, like, I'm gonna be really stressed out. Yeah. Would I tell other people that they need to be like more of disciples to their pranayama practice? I think for some people, that like forced discipline is really important. Yeah. Because they won't get there without the discipline. And I would maybe prescribe that. Yeah. For for a vata like person who's very artistic, I'd be like, you gotta like step into the discipline of like doing this daily practice. But am I going to go tell a single mom that she needs to do the single practice every single day? No, otherwise she's over. Like you don't, you ha- you can't. You yeah, it's not like that. And I think when we try to make it like that, we that's and it's no longer inclusive.
1: Yeah, because there's elements of the practice that are conducive to that, right? And that's what makes yoga so wonderful. And that's um you know what I feel more so of what my purpose is not it. Not so much to be this like acrobatic asana master where I I love doing the practice but then I'm just like realizing more and more you know what I have an understanding of the totality of the philosophies that not many people have. So like, and and that's just because personally I dove into all of them, like what karma yoga is, what bhakti is. Yeah. Like,
2: Like I want to know this information.
1: Exactly. So like, you know, for example, like the single mom, it's like, okay, yeah, maybe a strong asana practice and pranayama. That's just not going to do it. But maybe bhakti yoga is. Maybe just reading like Hafiz poetry and, um, you know, and um, Rumi poetry and then just listening to like um, Kirtan and singing along and chanting to to Kirtan. And that can be just in the background, right? Like
2: with your kid. yeah, Yeah,
1: exactly. Right. And so then. These, like, really wonderful elements of of yoga can be woven in, and it's it doesn't have to be so weird about it either. I think society makes it so weird, right? You have
2: to be on board or off board, like, which are you? Yeah, (laughs) you know, like, well, I'm on board, but it just doesn't look like you're on board. Yeah, exactly. I'm on board in a different way.
1: Yeah, (laughs) and i think that alleviates so much pressure around it right which
2: makes it possible like do you feel good when you're under pressure no like are you like i love this i'm under pressure yeah no it feels awful
1: yeah you know like scrolling through like instagram (laughs) (laughs) and seeing all the like the yoga like everything's the exact same And i'm just like oh like i don't want to do this like you know and And you
0: go
2: and try and set up your camera to like take this selfie picture so you have something to post and you're like this is (laughs) yeah but some people love it like i watch like jana not that she's a yoga selfie but like jana for example like she loves Mm. the engagement of social media and like it's not an effort or a pressure for her she's like really good at it and she loves it and it's like that's where she's drawn like that's her dharma is to move in that way and when i think about like posting something every day or like writing these long things like how she does i'm like ah, that like blocks me <laughs> and stagnates me like quicker than anything in the world. Yeah. And, and so I'm okay. And like, I've been very okay with not having 30,000 followers, you know, like yeah. I just have my small little two, like almost 3000 followers that pay attention to Lord knows whatever I'm posting. Yeah. Like make, it's like a yeah. collaboration of everything.
1: Mainly the whirlwind of motherhood and <laughs> yeah. two, two wild kids.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Cause anything else, like for me, the way that I am and my constitution and like what makes me flow and what makes me not flow. Like I, I have to stay in my flow. And if I'm mm. not, then I'm actually a worse teacher. Yeah. And it's funny. And... Cause I'll, I'll, like, I just taught a teacher training for, um, a friend and it's like, I hadn't taught. And I, it's always really interesting after you have a kid to then go and teach. Cause you're never quite sure what it's going to look like
0: mm-hmm. because once
2: a human for, I'm, I don't know how it is for a man, obviously, but once you have a human inside your body, like the genetic information is actually being exchanged. So you change and like you hold a spirit that has its own
0: connection
2: point. That's now going through you to get to them. So you're hearing information differently based on who's in you. And like both children, like Alder, how I felt in my like during and after is completely different than how I felt with Rumi during and now after. And, um, it's always fascinating to then step in to teach and be like, Oh, I wonder how I'm going to teach. Like, Mm -hmm. I wonder how I'm going to teach now. Like you, I really don't know. And it's so fascinating to sit and listen to yourself and be like, Oh wow. Like, okay. I'm like, now I'm like, I don't want to have another kid because I like what roommate gave me. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Like I'm so much more driven now and so much more grounded and, And I like worry that like the next child will like disrupt, be a disruptor, or something like this, you know. And I'm like, hmm, this is a sweet spot. I'm just gonna stay in it. (laughs) But but the the point of all of that is like, we have we have to. I think if we really truly want to be living spiritual lives, we have to do what we are personally drawn to and what makes us flow. Mm
0: -hmm. And if
2: we're trying to figure that out based on what other people are doing. The, the only reason I think we should look at what other people are doing is watch. Does that make you flow or does that make you stagnate? Mm-hmm. If it makes you stagnate. That's not you. Don't do it. Yeah. If it makes you flow and you're like, wow, I'm really into what they're doing. Try it on. And if it makes you flow, then yeah, do that. You must be like somewhat in the same constitution or in the same creation as that person that makes you move. And, and I really think like more than ever when I'm teaching teacher trainings, that's like just what I'm trying to ground in is like, I hope authenticity never looks or you never think that it looks a certain way or it sounds a certain way. Like, yeah, I, I hope that never happens. Yeah. You feel like you have to do something at the same time. I feel like sometimes it's a part of learning who you are is like trying to conform and realizing how like gross that feels mm-hmm. in the body.
1: Yeah. Because, um, that authenticity is transformative, right? Um and and it's ironic because it's always with you. It's it's not like oh, it's just waiting. Yeah, please. And and it's like yoga is the spotlight on it, right? And the the pathway through the practice is really going to help direct that authenticity into. Um the the kind of service you want to provide, right? Yeah, and, and the like,
2: service it's here to provide.
1: Yeah. And like just like how you're saying with with acupuncture, um, you know, it was this like enabler for the way that you were providing yoga and your teaching, right? And how it was complementary and and you know <clears throat> who knows how that comes up into your life again right it's just like those flowers that bloom um like once every three or five years you know like you can't expect um just because there are these other flowers that are blooming four times a year that this other flower is going to behave the same way yeah and and so that's how i was really looking at it in in my life as well where like you know i had this like lull Of suddenly not really having a desire to practice that much, not really um like caring about my how my body looks, I was just I had all these hangups, right? Because I was super tall, super skinny, and practicing so much every day to try to change my body, and suddenly all these injuries come, and then now I'm like, I can't practice because it hurts and i'm like okay i get it i just i just need to stop and everything in me like even all the yoga was like yes please like just <laughs> just go away and come back later you know and then i'm now returning and it's like my i've noticeably changed my body like i gained like 30 pounds and um, now going back into it, yoga is like, yes, now you get it. Right. And then it's like, and you're only <laughs> 33. Right. In our twenties, we're like,
0: I got to figure
2: this all
1: out. <laughs> yeah, By the time like... you're 30, you're like, I have
2: no fucking clue what's happening. So yeah, yeah. I'm just going to start listening. <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. It's fascinating. And um, I mean, for me, like, I feel like I thought I was doing yoga and I thought I was really mindful and I thought I was all of these things. And then the moment I had a child, I was like, I don't think I ever actually knew how to take a deep breath to reset. Mm. Like, I don't think I knew that. Like, in my brain, I'm like, oh, yeah, we just take deep breaths and it resets our body. It's good for us. But, like, until you viscerally feel
0: that, you're like, ah, (laughs) my
2: child has me up against the wall and I just... (laughs) gotta freak out, but I don't want to freak out because this is not how I want to operate. It's like you have to find space where there's no space and then the only way to do that sometimes is like <sighs> oh wow okay yeah, wow, that works. That yeah. actually works. That thing yeah. I've been learning about and talking to people about it actually works yeah to make you pause, but you have to remember it in the moments where you're least likely to remember something like that. yeah and, and then you have two all of a sudden. And your your other one's like four and she's got her own thing going on. And all of a sudden you have to practice it in a totally different way. And like being able to be dynamic, I think is really, and this is my own personal opinion.
0: Yeah, of course. Is
2: like, I think it's, I think living a spiritual life is about being able to be a dynamic, full person and acknowledging that like, sometimes I suck. Like Mm -hmm. sometimes I suck a lot. The other day I've, can only drink decaf coffee, and I really I have a, like a deep love for coffee, so it's been like a long battle of like not drinking it and like oh I'm just gonna have one, <laughs> you know, like oh I didn't do that, yeah. Um, but the other day we were in the car and I'd just gotten a coffee and I was driving, and I was like oh crap, my Alder's like what, and I was like i didn't get a decaf she's like oh oh you know what that means I was like, well, she's like you're gonna be a mean mommy today <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah
2: like, oh my god it's true <laughs> it's so awful but that's true like i actually can't drink caffeine and i know this and and these little ones like they just yeah I, I,
1: immediate I, reflectors right like they know <laughs> so much about you and you're like you're awful on coffee you're four <laughs>
0: yeah
2: and it's kind of like what you were saying with your dog, like, wow, so smart and so connected and children. Oh my God.
0: Oh yeah. They
2: don't lie. Like they don't lie. Ever. Yeah. And when you teach them not to, it's like, it's much more confronting. But when you're someone that really wants to know yourself, it's actually amazing because they're just reflecting so clearly your crappy spots or like they're pushing you to the edge and like, are you going to, are you going to snap mom? Yeah. And you're like, no, I'm not. <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> I might, so we better get out of here. Yeah. So yeah, it's just it's really fascinating. And if I thought yoga was doing asana every single day and my meditation and my breath work every single day, um, I I mean I I know that if I was doing those things every single day, I would probably feel a lot better in my body. Yeah. For sure. Like my body wouldn't be like I'm sit hunched now. But like my body would probably feel a lot better and my energy levels would be better but the amount of like emotional entanglement that would hap- have to happen every single day for me to be able to practice and like have kids jumping on me while I'm practicing and it like that is so stressful that I'm like are the cortisol levels in my body healthier yeah <laughs> well, so I can get my practice in every day or is it actually just healthier to like let that whole like you have to do this every single day if I just let that go and just like practice presence instead
0: mm-hmm. like watching
2: them like just watching them like there's, that is yoga that, that is ultimate yoga I mean, asana is like one eighth, yeah. right? Prennana yeah is, I guess it's two eight, what, a quarter a quarter of it
1: Even when you look at um in India like the roles the four roles like your student yeah. your host holder your or your student your business person your householder then you're the ascetic right at
2: 65 like when you're in the learning phase sure do and I every single day in like a loving beautiful way
1: well that's what i was going to say it's like we actually have in in this like mode of privilege where we don't we don't have to follow that anymore you know and especially with the internet where we have access to so much information and so much free content. And then like any point you can go to YouTube and find like millions of yoga videos. Right. And, and so <clears throat> it, it just seems so counterintuitive that with that, there's then this, that pressure of like, Oh, if you want to achieve this certain thing called enlightenment or whatever in yoga, then right now you have to do this every single day. Right. And that I think is no, it, it's just crumbling away. Right. It just, it just doesn't make sense anymore. And, and you see it at, because like of how there's this facade around social media where like, sure, you can go to like this you know, uh, who is it like Dylan Warner, like whoever, right. Who has like 800,000 followers and like just this beautiful curated, uh, page of everything is yoga. But it's like, if you were to actually examine some of these people's life and maybe not him, but like some of the countless others, it's like, are they doing that every day like that? You know, chances are probably not. And And so what I,
2: well, and also, are they helping other people? Like, is it actually supportive to other people? Because that's the whole point of yoga is to be of service, not to be of masturbation.
1: Yeah. Right. You know? And, and so what I tell people more often now, because that's the concern, right? It's like, oh, I don't don't have time to do this every day. I'm like, look, you can do it whenever the fuck you want. Right. Right. And, and if that means that's once a week, then it's once a week. If it means it's 15 minutes here and there, it's 15 minutes here and there. And what will happen is that it will increase gradually over time, right?
2: Yeah, because you'll feel the pull to it.
1: Yeah. And what, what I've noticed is definitely missing is the like historical philosophical content where what really helped me as a person and to really understand like just yoga consciousness, it wasn't necessarily only the times where I was doing my practice and meditating. It was reading upon like the chakras and the energy bodies and the Upanishads and the Bhagavad Gita and getting into this material and not to the point where I'm memorizing all this stuff and I'm, and I'm treating it like I can pick out any and every Upanishad or line in the Bhagavad Gita. It's not to that extent. It's, it's getting to know the information and, and picking out the gems that are relatable to my life and being like, Oh, when I, the the thing that I really did get into is like a Shtanga yoga and the Yamas and the Yamas and But I, like, really gravitated to ahimsa, non-harm, and was really asking myself, what can I do to cause the least amount of harm to others, right? And myself. Yeah. And then the ironic part is, like, I'm riddled with injuries. (laughs) <laughs> right
2: well that's just it which is why you're probably drawn to it cuz it's like you really need to learn to be loving to yourself
1: yeah and that i think to me personally is like part of that passion that drive as well is um wanting to be an educator of the morals right especially in a world now that is facing you know cancel culture and all this criticism and um yeah divisiveness
2: generally for communication
1: yeah right that um you know we can add these things as lenses and filters before we're even doing anything right so it's like ahimsa is like this like this add-on feature in our mind that's like before i say this it comes through ahimsa and if it doesn't meet the parameters of what ahimsa is it just doesn't come out of my mind and through my mouth right Um. so
2: yeah I mean the one thing just to like wrap it all up is that I always look at it um, is like when we talk about Dharma it means that it's you particularly and what you're called to do or what service are you here to provide
0: mm-hmm.
2: and how will you provide that service and for me, I always look at it because when we talk about oneness, people are always like, well, then, like, I don't, I don't understand. And I always think of it as like, well, your body is one. And if I'm the heart and you're the kidneys, if you're trying to function like the heart, the body dies. And if I'm trying to function like the kidneys, the body dies. It's like we have to really sit in and like what part of this whole picture am I a part of and what is my role to make this oneness operate as healthily as possible? Yeah. If I'm the, if I'm the colon, I'm <laughs> just there to squish the poop out of the body. That is crucial. Yeah. It might be the shittiest part of the entire situation, <laughs> but it's crucial. Yeah. Otherwise the whole system backs up and the person dies. Yeah. You know? And so I think it's, really important that we we just try try the best we can to like really stay in what we are really here to do like what makes you flow yeah and that should be the parameter of what you're choosing to do is like am I like stagnant here or is this making me flow and sometimes flow feels like <gasps> like it feels really intense and you're like, I don't want to do this, I don't want to do this, I don't want to do this, but it's actually making the body move. Mm -hmm. It's like having those tough conversations you don't want to have or like breaking up with somebody. It's like so uncomfortable, but actually like the moment it's done, your body's like flowing, even though there's pain and heartache and all of it, it's like the body is feeling alive Mm
0: -hmm.
2: in a totally different way. And I just think that's like, it's just so important that if we really want all, which is ahimsic all to flow mm. and to be healthy, then we have to stay in what we are particularly there to do.
0: Yeah.
1: And that was um, a huge less- lesson for me in the last like couple years because I was just struggling around my work, right? Um, I, you know, spent the last 10 years renovating homes and i loved it and then that just started dwindling and it got to the point where showing up to work was just so stressful and i just had no passion anymore and then the pandemic hit all that went away and i'm thinking to myself holy shit i can like you know i can totally dive into what all my passions are And, you know, Alicia and I had these plans to move to BC and like build a tiny home. Um, And then it just really dawned on me and it became really clear that I'm not ready for that. And then I, you know, I was hired at this middle factory where my brother's general manager and I, I came back into the flow of like that kind of labor work, but it was just so much easier and so much more structured and, um, you know, getting paid every two weeks where, you know, when I'm a contractor renovating homes, it's like sometimes like, you know, a month would go by and it was just sure. Like sometimes the pay was really good, but now for the last year of seeing that everything is stable, everything is grounded and there's, there's no more like struggle in what I'm doing that it was, became really clear to accept my role in what I'm doing. And that's why I like to tell people, it's like, sometimes don't quit your job, you know, like it's, it's understandable if, you know, there's obvious abuses, right? Right where, you know, you're clearly being mistreated, you know, if it's misogynistic or if it's like verbal abuse and emotional abuse, whatever. Yeah. But if, if that's not there and you are being treated well and you're just comparing where you're at with other people because of, you know, friends and family, social media, whatever, bring yoga into your life stay where you're at where you are, see how yoga can actually ground you in your life. and And see
2: how you're a part of your own problem too.
1: Yeah. And, and, and grow from that place. Right. And I took that and, and now I'm seeing all the goodness that's coming out of it and what I still get to do. Right. Um, And it's just such a a blessing to know that, you know, even though, you know, I wasn't able to completely quit my job and move to BC and live this kind of like hermitage life of being out in the country somewhere, um, that everything in me was like, that's not... Your purpose, your purpose is here, and to work with certain people, and that's just the way that it goes. And it's just, so, it was so when hard you for me. Bow to that, yeah. Like, oh my god! And all of a sudden,
2: it's like, Bruh.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and um, yeah, so I think we can end it there it's been over an hour um thank you for coming by and chatting (laughs) and uh you know meeting Rupert and all of his shenanigans (laughs) you're much
2: easier to to work with Rupert than my wild children
1: (laughs) yeah he's like I just wanted to be in the room and lay down with you guys that's it I didn't want to be outside barking understandable um, maybe tell people where they can find you, um, you know, social media wise. Um, yeah,
2: well, my website, which doesn't have much going on it, <laughs> but it's currently in the need to be worked on phase, is just my name com. Um, I am currently doing teacher trainings quite often now with a company called east west um which is actually it's it's fancy i I like i I also have my teacher training with yoga life that i'm this will be my last one i step away after that um so you can find me in edmonton for the last teacher training which is more online because of the covid but we also um get together in person so you can go to yogalifestudios.ca for that one Mm -hmm. And my Instagram super professional is at the S Z E E the S <laughs> E. Yeah. <laughs> and Great. it's not really, it's about motherhood and yoga and just general life stuff. I don't Yeah. prescribe to posting every day. I don't prescribe to posting about a certain thing or co- making the pictures all
1: look the same. Yeah. And that's, <laughs> that's real to me. You know, like I, I love it. Like, yeah, it's, you know, the windows into, into our lives of what we're actually doing. Um, yeah, the basic yeah.
2: everyday stuff. That's the yoga. Yeah. That's yeah. The yoga. That's the yoga. So,
1: yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for watching everyone. Have a wonderful rest of your day and enjoy.